Pigeons 420. Mr. Grow It. And Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. From the Stash Podcast. From the Stash Podcast, it's your boy Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle, Pigeons 420, Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Grow It, and a special guest today. We got the man himself. You may have seen me on his channel recently or heard it, whatever. Attorney Thomas Howard from Cannabis Legalization News and Collateral Base. Appreciate you joining us, man. Great to have you, man. Thanks. I'm really, really happy to be here. I love your guys' stuff. Appreciate it, dude. We, I'd be safe. I've been uh, tutored into you right before you guys hit me up. Actually, I was just watching that forward notes for a podcast we put together. And then lo and behold, I get a hold of you guys or you got a hold of us and uh relationship went from there, man. I really appreciate it. I dig everything you guys do. You really break things down in a understandable way for the us kind of simple folk, you know, so we know what what the jargon is. Yeah, the cannabis, the legal cannabis industry has become uh, a maze or a labyrinth of just regulations. And depending on where you sit, like Rob, you're in uh, Michigan. And so like the locality changes and the laws change dramatically. Uh, and so like I'm in Illinois and it's more at a state based system and Pigeons 420, you're up in Canada. Uh, is it is it at a federal system in Canada or is it more like whatever municipality wants no we have a, we do have a federal system uh there's there's very few por portions of the legislation that the provinces can control um but all in all it's a it's a federal system awesome yep. well yeah and so like what i like to do in the channel cannabis legalization news tune into that uh we uh break down aspects of it so some people will want to get a dispensary license and then that question can be answered with an application, which depends on wherever you're sitting. And then they can be really, really difficult or really, really expensive. And people just have no idea why it's so hard to regulate this plant. And uh, we try to like explain it and, um, and then report on the news. Yesterday was a cat reporting on the news. <laughs> I, I did see that. Yep. I did see that. Yeah, that was... Uh... That was that was hilarious, actually. Yeah, you do have some experience. Uh, you know, I think you were talking before this. You've got like what twelve years in yeah. the legal world. You know, not just not just obviously cannabis, but law. Period. Right, right. So what happened was I got out of law school in May of two thousand and eight, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But have you ever seen how options are priced? And so I became a stockbroker, <laughs> and then uh, so I was I took my series exams in like October of two thousand and eight, and everyone was fired in my industry. And so I looked at my student loan debt, which was heavy, and went back to Illinois and took the Illinois bar in 2009. Um, and then I was practicing at a small uh, collection firm for like my first year or so in 2010. And I wrote a book uh, on the constitutionality of the marijuana laws and how come they're just like flagrantly unconstitutional. And it doesn't matter um, how long they stick around. They just are going to stink more. And so like 10 years later, they stink even more because they make even less sense depending on where you look. Uh, and it's it's really fun to be able to look at how each state is kind of doing it and then get ready for an application round there. Uh, and so I try to do content about states that are what we call in the industry emerging markets. In emerging agriculture. In emerging <laughs> agriculture. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to watch your wording there. You always got to watch your wording. You know, and it's crazy, the, the wording per state is different you know like chris where you're at 
I always thought that it'd just be kind of like free, like Wild Wild West, do your thing. Gambling's been kosher there. So everybody could grow, everybody could do their thing. Even plant count should be like, yeah, just do it responsibly. It seemingly, it varies dramatically. What's the numbers you, you're allowed there, uh, if you don't mind me asking, per patient or per grower, so, per medical? So Nevada, um, you're only actually, from the grow side of things, you're only actually allowed to grow if you're 25 miles away from the dispensary. So <laughs> What? Yeah, or <laughs> away or, from the competition. <laughs> so that's recreational and medical. Um, now, if you are medical patient and you uh, don't have access to a particular strain, that's like not in the dispensary, for example, then you can grow out a strain that's not available in the dispensary. Um, so that's that's what I do because um, I'm a wow. medical patient. Um, and then there's other ways. So you can actually cultivate at home. You know, you got to fill out the, the medical form and you actually check mark on the form that you're going to be cultivating at your home. Um, so they do allow you registered through the state in order to do that. But but yeah, unfortunately, it's not anybody can grow. You have to be away from the dispensary, which is, which is crazy. Yeah, that's so free. Yeah, I mean, like the, and I was not clear on how Nevada did it. So thank you, man. Um, and you said it was only for medical, or if I am just an adult and I'm 25 miles away, could I then grow? Yep, recreational. If you're an adult uh, and you're 25 miles away from a dispensary, you can grow. But I, I would still have to fill out a form with the state and check a box. Not rec, not rec. That's medical. Okay. Yep. Awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. Same plant count. Uh, I think it's, I could be wrong on this. I think it's six plants for rec and then up to 12 plants for a medical. Yeah. If you're dropping, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop it in the comment section. If we're stoned and don't know, cause I mean, I, I know in Michigan here, it's 12 plants per patient. It's insane how the freedom is here where it's like, do your thing, do whatever you want. At one point it was a little weird where they were trying to change it up where, um, seeds and stems were counting towards weight, which seeds shouldn't be a huge deal there, but, um, undried bud. So wet bud would count towards your weight, your final product weight. And so people would have jars that said curing forever, you know, and be like curing for 10 years and that do not use until this time. Right. And, right. and it was just a weird deal. And like, I never had anybody come in and check my plant count other than, you know, having some run-ins with the, the local law there, but it's never been a thing where I had to sign anything. I just, I filed to get my medical marijuana card at 18. They didn't care. There was no dispensaries around really. So they're like, go ahead, grow 21 and older anywhere. I mean, other than like right near a school or something, but there's like very, very, very little restrictions. Yeah. No, that's that's completely different than Illinois. Like in Illinois, only medical can home grow only five plants and a plant is defined as over five inches tall. So like, you know, you can you really can't do anything except for grow five plants if you're a medical patient. And it, even I like that, you know, because I can grow something, but it's nowhere near as open and uh, permissible as what you have. Well, Nevada sounds terrible. Just be, but then how? <laughs> Is it literally the only city is Vegas and then nothing, you know? And so like 25 miles is very easily uh, achievable. Like Reno, it, maybe? Yeah, pretty much. Reno's another one where there's, you know, the, the northern part of the state where, um, you know, there, there is things going on there. But yeah, there's a lot of rural areas throughout the state for sure. So then you got pigeons like in Canada. I've heard it's even more limited. What are you allowed to have? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And I, I, I listened to, you know, a little bit from Michigan, a little bit from Illinois and a little bit from Nevada. And we did something of a little bit of all of those and decided that we should put a big Canadian stamp of overregulation on it and hope that it would <laughs> it would work. Uh, yeah, we have as medical. It's, it's just it's a gong show. Uh, you've got doctors that require you to pay. 
uh, up, upwards of $500 for an appointment just to get a prescription. Um, and then, and, and let me remind you that we have a public healthcare system. <laughs> this might not sound totally crazy to someone who has to pay for an appointment somewhere to go see a doctor, but for myself to go pay for it, seeing a doctor is just, is absolutely ludicrous. And so it's mind blowing, you know, it's just not something we do as Canadians. And so I, I paid for the first few years, it was $500 a year just to get the, the appointment. That's not even to get certified. That's just to get in the doctor's office. And then, and then once you, uh, once you get certified or he say, he says, yes, they come out with some arbitrary number of, uh, how much, how many grams you should be given. Um, some people based on how they explain themselves can get upwards of like 20 some grams a day limit. Um, I think I started off on three grams a day and that allowed me like 12 or 13 plants, so on and so forth. And then I, I upped it eventually. So then if I argued that, you know, no, I like to use my, my harvests for, uh, concentrates. Well, it takes more for that. If you want to eat it, well, it takes more for that. So I ended up upping my, my, my prescription to about 10 grams, which got me in and around the 45 plant limit and how they come up with this. I have no idea. That's why I just think it's arbitrary. They just come up with this number and then that's what you're faced with. And then it, it, now that we are legal, we're, we're, we're nowhere closer to being a legal system than we were before legalization. It's overregulated. It's, it's, it's underfunded. You can't get access to the product. The product is poor um, and it's overpriced. So yeah, it's uh, crazy, man. Federally, you can grow four plants recreationally. However, there's two provinces, uh, mine included, Manitoba and Quebec, that have decided no, no, you can't grow any. You can't grow any. So despite the fact that it's federally legal, our provinces have said no, wow. you, can't, you can't grow anything. It's not really legal, then, is it? It is because, not. Yeah. No. And then no. the more you look at any regulation on cannabis, no matter where you are. The more obvious it becomes that whomever is doing the regulation has no effing clue how cannabis works. No. <laughs> At all. You know? No, the thing was, is there was already a market. There was already a market. There was cannabis being sold. Like we had dispensaries that were dishing out cannabis before legalization. But the moment, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's joked that it's prohibition 2.0 is really what it is. It's not legalization. Because if it's legalization, it's legalization for whom, right? It's not for everyone. For canopy growth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yep. yeah, absolutely. And and so, yeah. And when you when you have a lottery system, but it, it, I, that's a whole that's a whole other segue. But the reality is, is that there was a legal or not a legal. There was a market framework for cannabis already happening, already installed. People were, you know, um, they just threw it out the window. Giving cannabis transactions were happening, but then of course, when the Canadian government put their seal of legalization on it, all of that entire market was now illegit. Well. It was never allowed to become legitimate. You know, you had right. to jump through hoops and, 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 and barriers to try to get the permits from Health Canada and so on and so forth. And if you didn't have the money, because let me tell you, it was tens of thousands of dollars for the inspections, for the overhauls, for the, you know, and if you didn't have that money, you weren't getting it. Well, that's, that's part of the regulation. But then the fact that the regulators are, have such chutzpah that they're going to create this uh, ultra uber rich market that's the only people that can really operate in it uh that illicit market has been operating underground for decades decades uh, it's not it, it's sophisticated it's not just going to go away if you wanted it to go away and you really wanted to regulate the plant uh you would just start taxing it and so you would have taxing authorities saying like hey uh we know you're selling weed how much are you um, how much are you moving 
Mm-hmm. We just have to make sure that the taxes you have been paid on money. us. Yeah. Yep. You owe us money. And then also, did you get it tested? Well, you have to get it tested. I mean, and so they could take away your right to do it, or if they, they could make the licensure process substantially easier, like mm-hmm. they have in Absolutely. Oklahoma, where they have thousands. I mean, Oklahoma will have 10,000 cannabis license holders well before uh, oh. Illinois has a thousand, you know? Fucking Thomas Howard, 2024. We need you running. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll be running for something. Yeah, yeah, I'll, be running, I'll be, I'll be running for trying to get uh, a whole bunch of submissions into your state at home. <laughs> uh, you know, just coming to Texas, you know, they Putting we can open that market and then make it, you know, the, the Oklahoma market is interesting, but then, you know, it's really, really wide open. Like to try to get into uh, a market like Michigan, it's still going to take tens of thousands of dollars in compliance costs and other crap. Uh, but provided the community wants you there, you can do it. There's a, there's a way to open your doors and to get into the legal cannabis industry. Uh, it's substantially easier in Oklahoma. Uh, and I think it's pretty darn impossible in Nevada from uh, what I've read. Is that, that sound about right to you, Mr. Growett? Or? Sorry, I'm having connection issues. You were cutting it out. I apologize. Well, I heard. And basically how the, the, for getting into the industry in Nevada is a little, little tougher there. Cause I know even here, like it's been, it was a lottery type of thing. I know there's three dispensaries local that are popping up here that won literally on a lottery system. And I was like lottery. So they must have a computer generated thing. No, there was a guy with a blindfold on and a ball machine that was spinning and they reached in and grabbed them out. And I was like, is this mad TV or Saturday night live? Like, are they, they doing it like that in Nevada? Do you know? So I know in my state, you need at least $250,000 in order to be considered. So I know that. I don't know much more beyond that. Um, I know they had a limited number of licenses and they were slowly increasing it, but very, very difficult in order to kind of get in there and get, you know, a dispensary license or a cultivation license, unfortunately. That's crazy. Yeah. So what would be, uh, Thomas, top of your head, what do you think would be the best state from a business standpoint? Somebody who's trying to get in the industry has the best bill right now in 2021. Uh, it, well, if you're going to try to do like product innovation, probably Oklahoma, uh, if you're, because then it's just so cheap to start doing the work and like, you know, trying to improve on that extraction method or whatever. Um, however, if you want to like get into the adult use industry, probably then Michigan, because Oklahoma still is med- men, uh, medical cannabis. But very often, like the medical cannabis and, and um, Pigeons was talking about it in Canada, how it is kind of a racket for doctors. And so like doctors make better investors for the medical cannabis operation. So like in Mississippi, that's going to happen because they only have medical. And then now with what happened in South Dakota, they really only have medical there. Um, Very often they make it way more regulated. They have like just two real tiers of cultivation facilities and they're huge. Like one's 50,000, one's a hundred thousand. And so- shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, well, like in Georgia, like for the tier one medical grow of the hundred thousand square foot cultivation facility, you needed to have 1.25 million in the bank. Yeah. Who doesn't have that? Come on. Yeah. You know, open it to everybody. Uh, And so that's one of the reasons why, yeah, it's going to have more doctors that get together and have this. And then, Hey, who's going to be writing the scripts? guys, we're going to make a lot of money if we do this right. And um, somebody will write the scripts, somebody gets the cards, somebody grows the weed. Uh, And of course, because it's doctors, uh, you trust them more uh, as opposed to if it was just anybody who had an extraction method. 
Yeah. And, and the issue, the issue we have up here is that you have a private system competing with a public system. You have the governments, uh, provincial governments that are opening up their own dispensaries, but are also allowing for private individuals to open up their own dispensaries. But the problem is, is who, who uh, regulates the regulation or the licensing, the government. So yeah. who, who gets the, 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 the priority when it comes to application status, the government, there's been no, there's been plenty of cases where private citizens have argued that the BC government, the Alberta government are holding back other uh, applications to, to bring in uh, public, you know, a government uh, dispensaries first. So it's like dirty. It, oh, it's dirty. Oh, it's dirty. It's dirty. And then not to mention all, a lot of this product is subpar. It's, it's, it's been grown by, by investors essentially. And investors don't know shit about growing weed. They know, they, they know how to make some money, but they don't know how to grow weed. And that was one of the biggest issues that we had here is people were throwing millions of dollars at these operations. But in reality, these operations have only grown maybe a couple thousand plants at a, at a time, never 10,000 plants and, and have hundreds and perhaps millions of square footage of greenhouse space. You know, this was, it was the green rush. And a lot of people hustled for that, that first, that first kick at the cat, if you will. And unfortunately uh, it really weeded out those that were going to be able to survive or not, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's operators that have been operating in this industry for decades you know, um, both retail. Now, again, it's retail. And so it's not, uh, it's not like sorcery, you know, it's not like a, a secret. It's not, it, right. It, right. it's retail. Mm -hmm. uh, the cultivation side, that's where a lot more chutzpah for the investors comes in, where they just think, you know, I can, oh, there's two sizes to the cultivation, 50 and 100,000. Yeah, no problem. Because everybody who's grown weed has started at a 50,000 square foot greenhouse. Every yeah, right. greenhouse. Yep. Yeah. It's novice stuff right there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and the fact that this got away, like this, this is how it got started, you know, and that's the foot we started on. And we've, you know, a lot of money has been lost. A lot of jobs have been lost, especially within that first year, some big names, you know, in the, in the cannabis industry, the canopy growths, the, um, the, uh, hypo, uh, they've switched, but it's hypothecary. That was one of the big ones at, off the start. Uh, they, they ended up, they lost everything and laid off like, 800 staff within the first year 200 of an 800 staff so it's it's been a fumble man it's not that we didn't people knew how to grow weed the, like we said the market was there it's just we decided to throw money at it instead of instead of some some good proper i i, I regulation I'm, I'm i'm a believer that that you do need regulation for this system just proper to, to prosper yeah exactly it just it can't be over regulation yeah, like even here in Michigan, it's like they limit on the humidity of, you know, the moisture content in your cannabis. And you're going to the dispensary and paying $65 for an eighth of overdried, turpless, basic bud because they couldn't, they have to legally do that. Like they won't be able to, to get rid of it. They'll have to destroy it, which yeah. is what's crazy. I mean, I've heard numerous times of recalls on stuff. I'm like, what, what was it? And they're like, oh, the microbial count was high or all these little things. I'm like, I've never, ever heard of this being an issue in anyone's garden in history it's just the regulations of the people who are regulating like the tobacco industry we're doing the same for cannabis it's not the same thing it's not being treated the same way but the it's making it really tough for the mom and pop shops to flourish because right. you got these people who just know how to get through and, and pass regulations but don't necessarily know how to grow good cannabis 
that's what's upsetting, you know. But then those people also, they find loopholes in the banking system, you know. And that's one thing I know you're more of an expert on is banking with cannabis. How do these businesses, these corporations especially, how do they hold their money? How do they get lenders? How do they do all this stuff unless it's totally private? A lot of it is private, but then a lot of it is reported to uh, a Department of Treasury, the FinCEN Department, the Financial uh, Secrecy, no, Financial Crimes and Enforcement Network. I haven't had to do anything with them in a few years because of my, my clients that were banks regarding how to like open up uh, cannabis bank accounts and whatnot. Uh, that was four years ago now. And so there is a department in Treasury where if there is a cannabis bank account and there's just some guidance that came out and it's effective still um, so that if you are going to be banking in cannabis, you have additional what they call SARS and suspicious activity reports to fill out, but it's allowable. And so banks see it as a really interesting asset class because you can uh, add to your commercial portfolio and also add a little bit of profit to that commercial portfolio to try to like stabilize it. So you're not top heavy in any one industry and you know, it will be in the millions of dollars. So most of the community banks that are out there, they they're going to have problems with what they call lending limits and participating banks. Uh, and so a small state bank may want to have one, uh, a, you know, cannabis business under its uh, commercial belt. Uh, now, you're not necessarily going to know that. There might be some secrecy and some other stuff that you sign to uh, keep from disclosing the bank. And then there might be like a PEO uh, or some type of intermediary that is uh, doing your payroll and doing your um, other stuff. Uh, and then you're not going to get uh, traditional lines of credit. You're not going to get like a mortgage, for example. Now, what may get a mortgage is the company adjacent to it because very often you're not going to just have one LLC uh, or corporation. You're going to have a buttload of them all next to one another, depending on uh, the composition of the license in and of itself. So for example, the Detroit legacy license. So in Detroit, you're going to have to qualify for a legacy. Otherwise, you're not going to get a license. And so that means that if Acreage Holdings or uh, Canopy Growth wants to open one of their uh, stores in Detroit, they're going to need to partner with a local that's, that's lived there his whole life, essentially, 15 years or something like that. Uh, and then that, that's going to be a, a specific LLC that would have a specific amount of ownership. And then there would probably be some types of participating contracts between that LLC and whatever the parent corporation is. Uh, speaking of, we're going to have somebody from the parent corporation on uh, the show, Cannabis Legalization News on YouTube. Uh, check that out. Uh, the parent corporation is a SPAC. Evidently, that's the one that was hel helping uh, Jay-Z. So like that $100 million. And then SPAC, I believe, is Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation. So you just throw a crap load. Like, these guys have so much money. Some people just have so much money that they can just throw a crap load of money into an account and then go try to pick up assets, you know? Because that's another way to buy a license. Well, another way to get a license is to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. So that's what about crazy. the what about the Safe Banking Act? That kind of relates to all of this. I know it's something that's been in the headlines for a while. I believe it passed the House of, like in 2019, I believe. But I haven't really heard much about that. What is the Safe Banking Act? Is it still uh, you know alive? <laughs> and uh, how would that impact all of this? 
uh, it's, it's not alive anymore. Like, uh, so laws last two years in Congress is Congress is reelected every two years. And so the Safe Banking Act and same with the Moore Act, these both passed in Congress last year. It was very exciting. Uh, and so uh, then they expire because they were never ratified, you know, passed as well by the Senate in that two years and then signed by um, uh, the president. And so now there's going to be uh, probably another Safe Banking Act introduced into the House. However, uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, Cory Booker from New Jersey, and then I believe from Oregon, his name is Senator Ron Wyden. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I think that's who it is. They're all going to put together the Senate's platform for cannabis really soon. So we're probably going to see some type of uh, maybe some updates to the Safe Banking Act, maybe the same just reaffirming of the Safe Banking Act. It would allow, uh, you know, federal depository institutions, the banks, to actually accept uh, cannabis companies as if they were pizzerias. Um, and it wouldn't impact IRC 280E, which is kind of a kick in the nuts, but uh, it would make recoupment of that money probably a little bit easier from the IRS because now you have uh, integrated more uh, access to banking services. Sorry, Thomas, you lost me on that acronym. Can you go back with that acronym you just gave off? Sorry. No, that's okay. That's um, okay. I was following you good. I had you had me. Uh, I know, but I'm like, okay, was it SARS or was it a different acronym? No, it was the one you just the IRC. Oh, the FDIC. The FDIC. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. So uh, in America, we had a wonderful Great Depression uh, years ago, and then to fix that, so there's never going to be another run on a bank. Uh, we made the FDIC, the oh, yeah. Federal Depository Insurance Corporation. And so the federal government insures all deposits in federally insured bank accounts um, up to like two hundred dollars or $250,000. Okay. And so okay. the FDIC will not allow cannabis companies to get a bank account. Um, I don't have my checkbook on me, but next time you guys look at your checkbook, look at the bottom, you have your ABA routing number and then you have your, your account Track number. E oh, okay, okay, yeah. And so, yeah, they're like, no, you cannot have that. This is literally money laundering. We will not be complicit in a violation of, of a drug trafficking, a federal crime. Okay. And, and it's the, the conflict between the, the federal and the state laws. So the states are opening it up and the states often have the regulations for the banks because there's two types of banks. There's a state bank and then there's a national bank. Makes sense. Um, generally, there's two types. I'm sure now there's so many differences, but whatever. Uh, however, both of those types of banks are going to have uh, routing numbers from the American Banking Association, uh, and they have not been issuing them. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, okay. now, would this act also open it up for credit card companies, for example, so consumers could use credit cards in order to purchase cannabis? Correct. Yes. Yes. It would also allow them to, uh, yeah, like I said, it would be more like they could operate like a pizzeria. Uh, and so uh, way fewer impediments. However, this, it doesn't do anything to address the uh, scheduling of cannabis under the Controlled Substances Act as a Schedule One substance called marijuana. Mm -hmm. That would still be on the books, which means that the IRC 280E, which is probably one of the reasons why there's this large cleavage in the industry between the cultivators and the retailers. That was the acronym. The IRC, that was the acronym that I had heard. The IRC, uh -huh. the, you said the it won't have an impact on the IRC, and I, and I wasn't. Oh, the Internal Revenue Code. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so like for taxes. Back ah. in 1981, there was an intrepid young cocaine entrepreneur in America. It was the 80s. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Bless the 80s. 
Yeah. Uh, so he was, he was trafficking cocaine and he got popped and he hired a pretty sophisticated uh, tax lawyer to litigate for him because they took all his shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey man, I should have all my shit back that I used to, to buy all that cocaine. And then also all those baggies that I had and, uh, and all those other costs that I, I uh, had for, like, I had a cell phone, I had a wallet, I had a big red sign that says buy cocaine here. <laughs> like I was all these expenses related to trafficking that, you know, a regular business is a lot. Like I, mm-hmm. I run some ads. It yeah. might be yeah. difficult if I try to like put the word cannabis in there, right. but I can right. deduct that cost of that ad. They passed a law uh, and they amended the internal revenue code for taxes under two section 280 E. Mm-hmm. And they said, you cannot deduct the cost of carrying on drug trafficking. And I believe that says of a schedule one or schedule two substance. Okay. It's because it's, cra- it's crazy that it's actually in there. This specifically says, uh-uh. no, 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 no. Take your drugs. Hey, elsewhere. Those baggies. <laughs> you ain't getting yeah. hit. You're not doing that again. <laughs> yeah. right? We learned our lesson. Okay. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. No, it kills the industry though. <laughs> right. Like, of course after, it does. Of course. So it does. like, the $60 eighth and, uh, you know, okay, it's a $60 eighth. Uh, it would be a $30 eighth, basically, if they just got rid of that tax, because, you know, they're just passing that tax on. And so the price that they're paying at the, the, the retail locations and the profitability of the retailing of cannabis would go up substantially if it was moved. Um, I, I prefer it just out, you know, the more act. So it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I, the, I'd have to look at IRC 280E and, and be sure that it's only Schedule 1 and Schedule 2, two substances. It might just say any controlled substance, you know? So okay. I had uh, somebody comment yesterday on a video. We were talking about pot stocks and um, he's Soul Seeker 311, actually. He said the more act, hope he doesn't pass, or hope it doesn't pass, said it gives regulations over the FDA to buy rescheduling or by rescheduling it, which makes it harder to acquire cannabis and impose more restrictions on the cannabis industry. And also they're decriminalizing it, not legalizing it. So they can't impose the tax and then expunging records would only be on a federal level, not state. So it would just reduce some sentences instead of fully releasing them too. So it sounds kind of like Trojan horse type of a, or a pig with lipstick type of scenario is what he's saying. Well, um, okay. So let's kind of talk about this in relation to what's going on in South Dakota. So in South Dakota, the people like legalized it, which would be different than if Congress legalized it, right? So if Congress legalized it, it's a legislative act as opposed to the the um, the people actually voting for it. And then uh, if the administration doesn't want to be on board with it, they can kind of kill it, you know, uh, and they don't have to enforce it and they can do more over what they want. And so they, she's trying to slow walk now the medical uh, cannabis. She filed suit and essentially got rid of the, the legalized uh, the adult use cannabis. And, and then that is kind of similar to what could happen if they pass it uh, at the MORE Act and they deschedule it. And they have all these regulations for taxes and for like a federal licensing and all that type of stuff. And then all these expungements and then, uh, you know, other studies and everything. It's a fairly large piece of legislation, which would take a long time to make rules. Uh, think about how confusing it still is for hemp farmers. Right. You know, uh, those types of regulatory processes would take a long time. And then there could be an administrative change. Uh, for example, uh, Joe Biden doesn't win in 2024. Uh, and so the Moore Act passes and then Donald Trump wins again. No idea how it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now you have a different administration that's like, yeah, you know, and they write the rules in such a draconian way that it's effectively not even legalized and you're just in regulatory hell. 
almost feeling a little bit of Canada repercussions there, you know? So is he, ar- so he's arguing that that's essentially what the more more act is. It's just, it's rather than just legalizing it, we're, we're, we're putting, we're wrapping shit up in bacon and telling you it's a, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a okay. full regulatory scheme. It's a full system of regulation for that. And so that would take a long time for that to play out. And it could be subject to uh, change of administration, which may not prioritize it and therefore may do a really bad job of establishing the rules for the industry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then that's where it goes down to us, you know, the, the home grower guys, the people who home grower guys or gals, uh, you know, how these things end up affecting us. The problem is, is everybody's like, you know, no legalization. Don't do legalization. I lost a homie over disagreeing on legalization. He just doesn't fuck with me anymore. I don't know. Because I voted for legalization in Michigan. He's like, they're going to shut down everything. We can't grow. And it's like, well, he was right in one area, but it wasn't based on the government. It was based on these private companies who lobbied the government and said, hey, these caregivers have dangerous meds that are toxic and poisoning the patients, and we can't let them sell them to dispensaries, even though they're being tested at the same places, right? Everything's the same, but it's dangerous. And so that shot up the price and dropped the quality. But only reason it passed is because these people spent millions of dollars on advertising and putting billboards everywhere and running commercials and all these things about unsafe cannabis. You need clean meds. We only have the clean meds, the pricey meds. And clean meds must be the name of their brand. Who funded that? Yeah, but who funded the, uh, the campaign? Greed Peak here in Michigan. And they happen to have a bunch of dispensaries at a bunch of grow facilities. At all. They, it's, they had, the reason they were so upset is they said, we jumped through all these hoops and all this stuff of regulation, but then you're allowing the caregivers who just got to go get one test and they're good to go. And it's like, well, it is what it is. I mean, one's like uh, artesian style, um, you know, homegrown, we can call it. And the other is like commercial grown cannabis. So you would think the commercial grown cannabis would be more affordable, but instead they just blocked us out and then jumped through and they took over. And then the price is crazy high on just basic quality, everything super basic. Yeah. See, that's not an appropriate regulation. And that's one of the reasons why you know, the, the cannabis legalization news, let's say the more passes again, should I just drop the channel's name to cannabis news? Uh, probably yeah. not. It's probably going to be like 10 years of getting legalization, right? You know, CLN kind of flows, but then you might have people who are mad. It's like, it's CNN. It's like, eh. yeah, it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you, you should have some trolls. If you don't yeah. have some trolls, you're doing something wrong. You're trying to please everybody. I like know? that. I like that. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing is, you know, with what you guys are doing, educating people and, and breaking things down more, that's huge, man, to be able to help all of us who we have some grasp on it, but we don't necessarily have our ear to the streets or our ear to the law we're not there and you kind of being the middleman between not just washington but like this the states i mean the more that you you integrate into each state and anybody who's watching this who lives in an area that does have a legal you know some sort of legal system and you're looking to get into it hit up thomas howard he's definitely the man to, to jump into it the dude knows his shit man it's crazy that every state though is different Every state is so dramatically different. And then you go countries and people legalizing here, they are decriminalizing. You travel one place and now all of a sudden you're a felon. Like I remember going from my uncle's house to my house, the whole ride, I was paranoid as shit. We went through like all through Indiana. I was just like, oh God, oh God, they're going to hang me. Like I was scared. And what a horrible experience it is. You know, it's like, I I am curious though, Thomas, it's like, We've kind of we've kind of looked at where we are right now, and and, and more of course I I do I still look at the United States as a, as a Canadian, and 
watching how we have had the opportunity to give a good solid framework for the you know for the for the for the world because we were the first nation to g7 at least g8 to 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 legalize and have a framework for cannabis and in my opinion we fumbled it we fumbled it and and so i do look to the state still to see there's there's some hope there Uh, but what i'm but my question is is though we see where we're at we have a new administration, regardless of your opinions uh, of the administration. Uh, I, I said we would not see legalization regardless of the administration because of the amount of infighting and just bullshit that, that occurs in government. But I'm curious if, if, if you see legalization in the next four years, if so, how are we going to get there? And if not, why, why, what, why not? What's it going to take? Uh, maybe. But then, like, again, uh, the prejudice toward the plant is still really high. Uh, and most people, like, if you just ask them on the street, oh, how's that endocannabinoid system you're treating? No freaking clue what you're talking about. No and so until that is different and people understand it's a thing, just like they have a circulatory system. Uh, and, and that's why the plant works. And that's why it's medicinal. And people's system very often gets out of whack, you know, and it's to a certain extent a, a form of supplementation. If people really start understanding that, then we're going to be more primed for a full legalization. Uh, right now, people don't get that. And it's still very, very political. And, and until it's way less political and, and way more scientific, you know, if they're going to be regulating it as a dogma, or regulating it as a morality, bad people smoke marijuana. And I think that was like Lindsey Graham or something that said that recently. Mm-hmm. And by recently, I mean, in the last four years. Mm-hmm. So that that stigma against the cannabis plant as it's something that bad people do or that it's bad for you. Uh, and then the general it's it's just general ignorance of the endocannabinoid system. People just don't know they have it. I mean, like it. And then you should tell people like, look, uh, I realized this thing was illegal. Uh, we didn't understand how it worked until the early 90s. Uh, we've known how it works since the early 90s. It, now it's really on us. Now, now it's really starting to become like our fault for willfully denying the science. Where does science get done? In Israel. Why is that? We don't fund it unless it's designed to harm. Like how does cannabis cause harms for this? You might get that funded. And after decades, because it's, it's been there now since 1971, Hasn't moved, Schedule 1 substance, decades of research, only into the harms, still nobody's dead. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a cultural shift. It's still, it's, still it's a cultural a, shift. It's a cultural shift, and it's, it's going to be like, a, it's a knowledge shift. It's one of those things where once you know that's a fact, I don't really need your, your bullshit theory on this anymore. Right, right, And right. so the it. morality is still that bullshit theory, and it's pervasive, and it's thick. Right. Uh, and that ignorance of the science is, is there. Like, ask people on the street. Oh, I, you see it. We see it every day. We, we see it in the yeah. comment sections of our own videos. Like, we, it's there. It's there. Yeah. It's crazy that in 2021, the ignorance is still there. But so much misinformation still is put out there. A lot of the religious um, belief system where they're stuck in the ways, whether it be actual being religious, like a hardcore Catholic or something. Or even I know uh, the guy at my local party store where I get my rellos. I've tried to give him a nug before. He says, oh, no, not part of my religion. What the fuck? You can't smoke, and I, it's probably having a full, clear mind. You do, you can't have any sort of substance that alters your mind, whatever. But it's like maybe your mind's being altered by programming in society, in the food you're eating, in the, the crappy water you're drinking, and all these things that's going on. Like 
it's just a problem in, in a lot of cultures where they're stuck on this way of thinking. There's no logic behind it. It's a religious mentality. And again, not just in religion, but they're focused on it no, with it no sound, logic. Sounds like an American yeah. cultural issue. Or, yeah. or I, and I mean that as a Canadian, like I'm, I'm an American based on my geographical location. Yeah, so. You're a North American. Right, right. Chris, you're going to say something? Yeah, I was going to ask a question um, for the viewers, the people who are watching this, what can they do in order to help fight for legalization? What are some of the steps that they can do, whether they live in an illegal state? Uh, you know, what steps can they take? Or if they're in a legal state in order to keep legalization, right? Because that could always be reversed in a sense. Oh, yeah. So are there things that they can do in order to, to help fight? Yeah, uh, all uh, cannabis is a very local thing. And so one of the things they can always do is be mindful of that locality aspect of it. Know who your elected representatives are. Who is your state rep? Who is your state senator? Where are they on cannabis? Like, do they ask your state reps and senators, do you know what an endocannabinoid system is? You know, can I get your commitment on this? Are you going to allow this to be an industry that is going to create jobs? Or are you going to allow this to be an industry that's going to be controlled by uh, a multi-state conglomerate that is just crapping out as much weed as they can, as fast as they can and raising money. Um, all those types of questions are gonna be answered at a very small level, your state level or even your municipal level. And uh, if you are involved with those uh, and you have those relationships, uh, it will, that's how you really go about it. Like. Uh, Jahan Gordon is my rep in uh, the state of Illinois, and she was one of the leaders on uh, the cannabis legalization in our state. Uh, I bother. I'm sure uh, I because uh, I've known her for like 10 years. Uh, and so I go to all these Democratic um, uh, fundraisers and I probably talked to her off a lot about legalizing it. And she was on board and then she uh, went and she actually helped draft the law and pass it and lobby for it. So if you have to find those stakeholders in your legislature, and then figure out how do they work together and then put together that coalition, write some checks, you know, um, you have to organize. That's the truth. It's not, nothing's going to happen sitting back on your couch and couch and bitching. You yeah. Know? You got to put in effort. Bullshit. You got to put in effort, man. And at the very least, it comes down to voting. You got to do your homework on who you're voting for. A lot of us put these people in office that are so starchly against cannabis we, we we voted for them or we didn't and that's just as ignorant just as you know just as bad so homework homework is good that's that's solid advice thomas well i'd say that goes left or right too because some people will blindly be like oh the democratic they like weed and it's like oh, see how they like weed because they might like weed if the government controls it completely it may not necessarily be so it just depends you know not everybody is good not everybody's bad so paying attention i love the the tip there thomas to be able to really link up with the person the individual they may go with the party strategically but may not necessarily just be like blindly in one area. They're, they're a person. This is an individual person. And now in the, the you know, last four years and now probably four years going forward of like the, uh, I'd say the football politics, American football politics, where everybody's like, fuck the other side. It's going to be tough to, to say, well, hey, I, I lean towards this because of this or that. It doesn't matter. The individual person is what matters the most because it's not going to have much change when you're looking at a group that hasn't done it in 100 fucking plus years. Yeah. I mean, the, doesn't you, matter. Educating your uh, rep as well is going to be really key because there's a high likelihood that your rep has no idea how weed works. And he or she may like weed, may not admit that on the record if they do. Uh, and uh, to try to educate them as to how this can be a good thing for the people and a good thing for the local community and a good thing for the economy. 
if they understand those benefits, it's really hard to be not on board with it. That's the thing. I mean, the only people that are going to lose jobs are cops. Are you? Oh my gosh. Okay. I do have some law enforcement when I watch the show and um, good viewers. I hope, you know, lots of thumbs up. They might be my thumbs downs. I'm not sure. I got they're good. Hopefully they're good law enforcement. I assume if they're watching your show, they're the few who, who got into it with a good intention of like, Hey, I'm going to go to the house with a domestic and help that woman who was assaulted or I'm going to help the children who, those were those five cops that were. They that want were the money. <laughs> it's like everybody else. Not they here, want man. Money. You don't get they paid shit to, as a cop. They wanted to do the transportation because security is their thing. They're law enforcement. They're going to be secure. Uh, and so it was just hilarious that even law enforcement wanted advice as to how they're supposed to go about getting a, a cannabis transportation license. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I mean, I, I got a buddy who he was in the military, and it's it's kind of like. Uh, I always use analogies like a, co a collegiate wrestler. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to get into fake wrestling? Or no offense if you don't think it's fake for anyone. Um, but like professional wrestling, or are you going to go get punched in the head in MMA? Isn't not or like totally do something different. Wrestling was just a fun thing you do. So if you're in the military, you get out of the military. Are you going to go like private security or something, or going to go be a cop? Maybe neither of those sound great, but. There, there are good cops. I had a buddy who was going to try to be one, but There's man, tons of good cops. they they wanted to pay him like nothing to be in a gang area and and treated him like trash and were a little bit prejudiced. And uh, but it, it just, just shows man. there. The people that are going to be against the cannabis legalization usually have a financial interest in that. And so if that's just really what it's coming down to, look, I get it. You don't want to lose your job. I realize that Rex, the canine dog uh, that is on the force, is really cute and a valued member of the team. Uh, maybe it's a good thing that we don't have to be worried about him smelling flowers anymore. You or know? getting shot. Or getting shot. Like bombs are still a thing. That's they it. That's that, it. It, it. From my experience in, in fact, I'm in Canada. You know, we, we do suffer from a lot of some of the same issues that you guys have in the States. We're humans, man. We, we all suffer from very similar issues. The, 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 there, there are way more good cops than there are bad cops. And from my experience, all cops are overworked in some extent and getting cannabis off of their docket would be a blessing. You know, these yeah, cops I think that, that would be helping more of a hindrance. These guys aren't enforcing this law because it's something that they personally have a, 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 a stake in. It's, it's that they have to, they have a job to do and that's, th that is their job. And the reality is, is if they didn't have to go penalize some fucking young kid for carrying a eighth of weed on him on his way to school you know they wouldn't want to you know that that should be someone else's job anyway where's mom and dad some you know? would but so, not most wouldn't yeah i just uh <laughs> i've no, ran I, I just, a few who like there, to do that like, oh sure sure there's 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 assholes though there's assholes in every profession and every walk of life and you can't avoid them you know it is like a it is like a it's, it's something that's there to stay. So it's just, they're going to, they're going to be find themselves into every profession. And I just think personally, I just think if they didn't have to worry about weed, they could focus on something more important. Yeah. They might have to relieve a few of those dogs that were sniffing weed, but they got to hire more dogs so that they can get that crack cocaine so they can get that heroin. So they can get those, those bombs. I don't know what the fuck dogs do, but find yeah. The old mollies. You know? get cannabis off of their docket <laughs> that's that's what i'm a proponent for i agree man I, that might have to be an episode talk about the fuzz in the reefer you know future episodes yeah because like <laughs> well look at you got to follow the money in a lot of these things somebody is out there keeping the law how it is 
Somebody is keeping uh, the law how it is and making money off of it. Somebody's funding the, the anti. Is it Bill Gates? <laughs> Bill Gates is funding the anti cannabis campaign. No, I'm just driving for the crazy. What a turn of events, people eh? in the comment section. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a few Tim okay, Pool hats pop in. Yeah. yeah, he's taking your guns and your weed. <laughs> well, that's a that's another episode. Like the gun rights thing. That's just wrong that they do that. For- oh man, yeah, I don't even want to get into that. It's so frustrating. Everybody's telling me I shouldn't talk too much details because I can get myself in trouble. But wow, how do you gotta? I right to bear arms is all of a sudden gone once you admit you use cannabis, specifically well, but- cannabis, specifically. Well, again, it, it also kind of demonstrates a lack of history. And so back in 1969, that's when the, the previous cannabis law was struck down by the Supreme Court. When, you know, the, Timothy Leary, that guy, the Timothy Leary from the 60s, uh, he was arrested for some weed. And he said, well, no, I don't have the tax stamp. Well, I can't get the tax stamp unless I incriminate myself. Therefore, it's against the Fifth Amendment's right to the self-incrimination. And it's unenforceable. They struck down the law. Meanwhile, that ATF firearm form that you have to check a box about whether or not you use marijuana to, to do your uh, legal firearm transaction at a gun do- uh, dealer, uh, that for some reason is not a violation of my Fifth Amendment rights. And so I can't, I can't invalidate this government form. I mean, you invalidated the last freaking 30 years of marijuana laws in the same principle. Right. But, you know, right. I digress. Right. Hard pill right. to fucking swallow, man. I, There's a lot I of think- those. There's yeah, I think that examples. we're going to have to keep swallowing those going forward, regardless who's in office, because there's the, the president, like KRS once said it great. The president is like the, the manager at Burger King. Your fries are cold. You're going to go complain to them. But then you want to go talk to the owners and say, I want to talk to the owner. You are never going to meet that motherfucking owner. The board of directors, so to speak. Good luck, Chuck. You're just going to get more free cold fries. <laughs> <laughs> I think with that being said, man, it pretty much summarizes this episode. We may have a part two, depending on how the comment section goes. If you're over on YouTube or watch CLTV.com, Thomas, huge thank you for joining us in, man. That's big, thank big you, education man. for thank me, you, man. Thomas. I feel like learning from you every time I watch your episodes. And then here we were able to pick your brain more. What's uh, your channel again? again Thomas, what was your channel? Go ahead. Uh, Cannabis Legalization News. Yeah, we'll put that in the, the description also in the video over on YouTube. So make sure you check uh, that out. Man, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy all your content. Uh, and so uh, you've you've taught me a lot about my my little small home grow that I'm just I feel grateful. I mean, I, I'm not I'm impatient because it's 2021, but at least I'm grateful that I'm in Illinois and I'm allowed to actually grow as a medical patient so I can learn this skill without worrying that uh, somebody's going to take all my shit. And then I, I don't have to mm-hmm. do it so surreptitiously that I'm trying to avoid detection or like rush stuff or, or have to turn to harsh chemicals. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and well, and, and thanks for you know giving me knowledge as to how to go about doing it. Well, as a as a consumer, even as a Canadian and a patient, uh, knowing that there's people like yourself that exist out there fighting for me, thank you, thank you. And uh, if there's an opportunity for me to do what I can to to help boost you, uh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because. Uh, uh, I, I can I can see that your intentions are pure, and uh, I, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to have this conversation because I'm taking a lot away from this this uh, this conversation as well. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So I yeah, think having a uh, having a YouTube channel and, and and saying what you say on your channel as far as legalization, just dropping that knowledge is a massive contribution to this community. So, you know, definitely thank you for that. Like That's going to start that shift. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. 
like I mentioned to you before uh, we started recording, I, I actually found your channel about three weeks ago. It popped up on my recommended. So I love the fact that these videos are popping up on people's recommended feeds because it's just it's it's giving us more knowledge that we need in order to to go in the right direction. So thank you for, for doing that. And I'm definitely uh, definitely tuned into your content from here on out. Um, well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I think a uh, great episode, guys. With that being said, this is Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. Pigeons 420, Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Groit, and Tom Howard from Cannabis Legalization News. See y'all next week. Peace. Peace.